Hello and welcome to another Tea and Tights special. Our very special guest this week is a 10-year pro who's wrestled all over the UK and Europe, from Wales to Portugal. He's a holiday camp veteran. He's wrestled for the likes of PCW, Alpha Omega Wrestling, TNT Extreme Wrestling, British Wrestling Promotions and whole Championships, including the BWP Champion of Wales Championship, and the BWP World Catchweight Championship. Uh, oh, yes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tea and Tights, a great British wrestling podcast for great British wrestling. I am your host, the great British otaku, Mr. Andrew Moore, and Eaton Most. I am joined by my co-host, the soulful, the pro wrestling t-shirt champion of the world, Big Daddy Dan, Mr. Daniel Allen, Dan for short, and our very, very special guest, Captain Wristlock, Mr. Fantastic, Matt Fox. <laughs> Greeting Grapple fans, thanks for such a great intro, Andy. No worries, we always like to have a bit of fun with our intros and uh, it's always just makes it a bit more pumped up as we get along. Uh, thank you for coming on today. Uh, as I say, it's always a pleasure to have guys like yourself come on our show and uh, be on our specials. Oh no, thank you. Thank you for having me. No worries. <laughs> I've got to say quickly, for those of you that are only listening on the podcast, Captain Fantastic here, Matt Fox. What a bit of um, lip tash you got going on there. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. I'm trying to get my inner rollerball Rocco going. Um, we'll see if it's still a hit when the show's alive, but we'll see. Uh, just remind me, uh, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, but I was watching Rollerball Rocco face Jushin Thunder Liger before he was Jushin Thunder Liger in oh, Britain. Okay. And it was uh, Mal Manson's first referee on TV job. Oh, so, is that like the 20-minute, the half-an-hour one? Yeah, it's available wow. on YouTube. Go search it out. It's just brilliant. Flying Fuji Yamada. What a pro. There you go. I never remember his name beforehand, but thank you for that. Uh, obviously, a student of uh, the British wrestling history uh, as, a, as a catch, catches catch can wrestling. Yes. Uh, I am an anorak, it is true. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no problem. I love that side of wrestling. Uh, so, where did you start Nothing training? No more. Oh, sorry. Go. No, I'd love to know more about where you started training, exactly what you were just asking, Andy. Okay, um, so I started pro training at a school that no longer exists. Um, and then after two years of pro training exclusively, I started to do um, shoot training at the Snake Pit in Wigan, um, also known as the Aspel Wrestling Club, you know, the place to go for catch wrestling. Um, training under a man called Roy Wood, who was one of the original trainees of Mr. Riley, who is... When you think of the Holy Trinity, you know, he is the Holy Trinity of catch wrestling. Um, so that's where that came from. And um, yeah, I ended up helping to teach a beginners, a youth class at um, what was the school I trained at. Um, did that for about five years, helped a lot of people get their first, you know, feet wet. And now they've all gone on to bigger and better and more glorious tight wearing things. And here we are. <laughs> No, I mean that's awesome. Uh, so, are, are you still? Do you still uh, train at the moment? Are you? Are you a trainer or? Um, at the moment, um, I'm not. But that's due to 
um, some allegations that came out during the Speak Out movement. Um, my trainer, who I don't want to mention his name because I know he brings up a lot of bad memories and a lot of issues for people, uh, was quite rightly called out for having a really negative attitude and aggressive behaviour and uh, a lot of really horrible things, especially female trainees. Um, so I don't really want to bring up that name or uh, the name of that school. People that know will know. Mm. And the young women who um, quite rightly said their piece, I don't want to bring up their names because I don't want them to feel you know, brought into this discussion when I'm trying to focus yeah. on the positive in the future. And, yeah. No, as we say, yeah, because we are trying to move on now and hopefully to a bigger, better, more inclusive, uh, more thoughtful and hopefully more professional professional wrestling even on an independent level it's still uh professional wrestling hey the clue the clues in the name my my, my standpoint is that um you know i i for a long time helped prop up this person's agenda and um that was a failing of me for not spotting it sooner i've been very open about that i've spoke to the people in question privately with a variety of uh, feedback which, again, that is their prerogative. I get that. I understand that. I just want people to heal because um, at the time, not to get really heavy, but once we get heavy, we can get the light stuff out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I was this gentleman's assistant. And um, in my real life, I was taking time away from training because I had things going on, making my own family. So when these allegations came out, um, I suddenly had 50 trainees of 13 up wondering why the school had just disappeared out of the blue. I had to speak to the local council to um, give like my my opinion of things, my side of things, to where these allegations have come from, whether they're true or not, and things like that. Um, so things got very heavy, as you can well imagine. Um, and it's not just the people that spoke out that are the victims. In my in my humble opinion, there's like 13, 14 year old kids who are just trying to do the start in this, that have had their school taken away by one man's horrible actions that are inexcusable. And um, for a long time, I was trying to make sure that they still had somewhere to train if they wanted to, reach out to other schools on their behalf. So a lot of horrible people left a mess for a lot of <laughs> innocent young individuals that they shouldn't have had to deal with. I know I spoke to um, a friend in Scotland, Robbie Wishart, who trained under another person that was... Um, Name and speak out. He's had a similar situation that I've had, you know, trying to make sure that the trainees don't carry that stigma forward. Um, is what I'm saying making sense? I, yeah. I'm trying no. to be a positive ambassador without bringing out these assholes by name. No, I think that's the right. Uh, right. You're doing it in just the right way. Oh, I'll tell you what, why don't you give us one of your more funnest memories, one of your funnier memories, a good, quick, comedic anecdote, something that's happened during actual wrestling? Uh, okay, cool. Um, so, as you mentioned previously, I do a lot of carnival shows in the summer. And uh, the way this would work is me and another person, usually similar experience to me, would fill our car with people getting their first taste of, you know, going to shows, their first taste of being in front of the live crowd. And um, we went to a show and we were in sunny Clangolan, um, and it was easier to say than spell. Yeah, yes. Too many L's, too many Z's. Um, so we're going to Clangolan, and there's me, 
my friend Chris Von Sharp, who's now no longer in the business, um, a young man called Bullet, and his partner, Trent Zaffix, which are two names that you can only pull off when you're 16, 17 in the business, because nobody is born and said, yes, you look like a Zaffix. So we'll go into Clangollin, and then what I would do, we'd get up there really early, we'd do some sightseeing at like the one shop in Clangollin, uh, we'd set up, and the way it would work, we'd do half an hour of wrestling, half an hour's break, and we'd just mill around this like um, like some of the furthest carnival in full in full stick. And um, when we first got there, we found this greasy spoon, and young young Trent Zaffix had a had a little crush on this twenty one year old who was obviously just working her summer job and could not be bothered with four daft English wrestlers who just walked in to her cafe and. Um, he tried to be very, very polite to me. He tried to leave her a tip and she was not, she was not entertaining at all. And he just kept trying to return him. And um, I remember he went to pay and she just slowly moved it across the counter. And it wasn't just like a, it was a, <laughs> which was her nice way of rejecting and refusing him. Um, so that, that was fun. But we do that like a rotating crew every week just on those shows and we'd get the say if we went to start at 12 we'd get there at eight and we'd see like a castle or a beach or the woods and we'd mess about and we'd get to know these young people and like explain to them how i think it should be done or how chris think it should be done how to have fun and stay safe but still be entertaining and something for people to grasp onto and then have a laugh it's like um on a similar moment we're in banger and i was wrestling uh, bullet connor the bullet and uh, I helped train Connor. So when we wrestled, we never actually had to talk or plan because, spoiler, sometimes we plan um, anything. <laughs> I, I know, right? I know. Shock horror. But back to the disbelief suspension that we're going for. And uh, we were told to just wrestle because another car's coming with other wrestlers. And when they arrive, you guys just go home. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> the car with the other wrestlers in had a flat tyre. So these poor people in Bangor had an hour of just me and Connor the Bullet during the Euros and to get the most heel heat that I could, I did happen to have an England football top, which was good. Obviously a man that is very, very used to handling himself. (laughs) Well, it's the nature of the game. You need to have a bad guy. You need to have a fall guy. You need to have someone who is open to being the loser and understanding what that entails. I need to think that I'm in the right, but I know eventually there will be a fall. And Connor, it was from um, Wavertree, which is like one of the scousest places ever. So he talks a lot like that. Um, was billed as Banger's Bright Hope. So all the time he's trying to G up the crowd. It's like, come on now, wheels, guys, eh? At 16, sounding like books, 40 Lambert and Butler a day. Other cigarettes are available. <laughs> and I remember I had him down in a chin lock and these kids started to sing the Welsh National Anthem at him. <laughs> and he's saying to me as we're fighting up, what's that? And I'm just like, oh, kids today. <laughs> hey, what do from um, uh but you say you wrestled outside on some of those and not all of them are bright sunny days when you have had to do so. So what's your worst experience been for that? 
Um, we were wrestling for a promotion formerly known as um, Conway County Wrestling. And um, instead of having six by eight boards, they had wooden planks. So there's about 20 wooden planks to make up this ring. Now, it's on a hill, so the ring is like that. The way it's meant to work is it's meant to be ratchets that were tight in the bottom and then the ropes tight in the top to make it a flat surface. The ratchets weren't tight, so there's hills in our <laughs> gradient of wooden planks. And um, the canvas was um, a tarpaulin, so it wasn't a canvas. So trying to run or move or do any fast movements, plus rain, plus a hill, plus being hills in the ring, <laughs> um, it's kind of like an awkward combination of like riding the teacups and hungry, hungry hippos and um, the dodgems all rode into one in brightly coloured fighting knickers. There we go. Uh, go on, Daniel. I remember I Hulk Hogan. That. Um, yeah, Hogan was doing a, um, uh, in his first biography, the one that um, explains how he basically invented wrestling films and um, everything else, um, talks in a ring that had planks. And one of them was raised and completely took his knee out. So what is... With the exception of that one, the worst ring that you have ever had to wrestle in? Um, I, I don't want to name names because people get upset, but um, the way a ring, in my experience, is meant to be is that, again, ratchets keep it tight at the bottom, ropes keep it tight at the top. There's usually three-quarter thickness NDF, then some bit of wood between that, then layers of carpet all under floor, to keep it nice and spongy. Now, I was on a weekend trip to Torquay with a young man called um, Disciple, who's actually called Dave. He's, he's actually a bit like a cockney, like a cockney wide boy, mm. even though he's originally from Portsmouth and now lives in Sandbach in Manchester, which is another thing. <laughs> and um, David got us all booked, and we were meant to be. I was wrestling the trader, and Dave was wrestling the booker. Now. When we got there, they're putting the ring together. And these, like, um, really thin balls that go between the 8 by 10 uh, three-quarter thick, they were stapling um, to the wood underneath. And I'm like, ooh, hmm, I don't want to take the bump here, <laughs> like, at all. So they've done it like that. And then um, the gentleman I'm meant to be fighting, who is this place's trainer, or was this place's trainer, just didn't show up. Because unbeknownst to us, because we're silly, you know, northern people that don't really have farms because, you know, northern industrial complex. Um, it was the Young Farmers Weekend. Oh, God, and, yeah, he wouldn't be able to turn up. <laughs> yeah, so I should be wrestling this guy who I think was called Dynamite Dave Fury. No relation to Mr. Kid Dynamite. And um, I got put into a six-person scramble which was elimination, of which we had five minutes to do the match, which in itself is a no mean feat. Did the match. And then we went out with some drinks afterwards, still not knowing what the young farmer's thing is. So we're going into bars and there's hay and it just stinks of a stale urine and there's people in like loads of hoodies all matching. And we're thinking, wow, this must be a really big like stag and hen do going on here. And um, 
Dave got us chatting to this young girl and she was like, oh, what, what farm are you from? What farm are you from? And we still are none the wiser. And we're like, we're not from a farm, we're wrestlers. So we couldn't understand if why these farmers were all out getting completely rat ass drunk. And they couldn't understand why some underworld play fighters were saying that they weren't farmers. <laughs> so it was just a complete like mind numbing <laughs> of a thing. And we're just like, what's going on? And for some reason, Dave was adamant that he wanted a cocktail. I want a cocktail. I want a cocktail. <laughs> but because this was a Sunday, and obviously the young farmers had been drinking from Thursday night, Friday morning, every bar was drank dry. So the only way you get a cocktail is you pay like over the odds. But Dave was adamant and we went through every bar in Torquay, all of the which smelt of urine, all of which had hay on the floor, all of which was covered in young farmers who, again, who knew it was such a big thing for us because we're not, it's not our world. And he, he just really wanted um, a sex on the beach and no one had a sex on the beach. But yeah, that ring was crap. Really that <laughs> ring. Oh, I've got sex on a beach. I had far too many of them on far too many occasions. <laughs> uh, Lucky you. <laughs> so, one of the anecdotes that I noticed when you were talking about maybe appearing on our show was your arm being dislocated by a 70-year-old. So, that has to be a story that we need <laughs> to hear. Okay, so, um, I mentioned previously about Snake Pit. Now, the person that runs and owns Snake Pit is Roy Wood. Now, Roy is the aforementioned 70-year-old. But uh, Roy is, when you think of traditional old wrestling coach who is always in a sports jacket and always very neatly presented, that, that is Roy, 218, to the point where if you swear on his mats, you get kicked out. And the gym is not opened on Sunday because Roy still goes to church and takes that very seriously as a very strong faith. And me... To quote Roy, as a sure wrestler, I have a bit of a chip on my shoulder because I, I like my show wrestling. I, I, you know, respect the art of professional wrestling. So I want to, you know, have a good innings, mm. you know, present myself in a positive way. And um, I was wrestling with, um, at the time, Roy's top guy called Tommy, who now runs a catch gym in Sydney, Australia. And he kept beating me by just crossing over my face and taking my arm. So he would grab my tricep above the elbow and just pull it out. After about three or four goes of this, I'm getting really frustrated. and like, no, you're not beating me now. No way you're beating me. So I'm resisting and resisting and resisting and resisting and resisting. And eventually Roy comes over and says, no, lad, you're doing it wrong like this. So Roy gets me, being most respectful, and it just goes... <laughs> and I was like... Hey, hey. And I, I had no idea what was going on. And um, I still wanted to wrestle. I'd like fell down. I was like, right, come on, let's carry on. I had this like one floppy lame arm because <laughs> it was just gone at the shoulder. And um, I don't know if you ever had any joints dislocated, but gravity is great at putting it back in. It just really hurts. So after Roy realized that he's dislocated my arm, he just goes, just, just leave forward, Matt. So not wanting to be disrespectful, I do. And my arm pops back in, and it's one of the worst pains I have ever, ever had. And um, he just says, go, go have five minutes and then get back on the mat. Uh, and, of course, I did, because who, who am I to disagree with what is essentially wrestling royalty? Because Roy is, he's run pro shows, he's run amateur shows. He had Josh Barnett at the last um, Snake Pit Catch World Championships, you know, 
I, I am not going to, you know, lose face to this man when he dislocates me and can pull me apart in two seconds, despite being 17, despite not swearing and not being aggressive in the slightest way at all. <laughs> yeah, Josh Barnett is a, a living legend of the uh, the catch world all over the world. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can... huh. So, as I mentioned in the thing in the intro, that you wrestled all over Europe, including Portugal, uh, which I believe was CTW, which was, let me give this a try, Centro <laughs> de Treonos de Wrestling. Yes, yes, which translates to the Training Centre of Wrestling. <laughs> there you go. Very what much. was that like? <laughs> um, really, really cool. They have a really like close-knit, small, regular crew. Everyone's at a really high level. Um, I met the owner come trainer, Red Eagle, in Wolverhampton. Uh, and the, the stick was that you would go and have this seminar with Red, and Red would pick one person to go to Portugal. Now, the school that was hosting the seminar had already made plans to do whoever was going to go anyway. And we were just like, me and my friends just spur parts who just picked up the lost places. But I spoke to Red, I got him with Red, everything was really cool. And then I didn't speak to him again for 12 months. And um, I actually spent a week with WXW in Germany with Walter, Tim Thatcher, uh, Christian Jacoby, who was the booker. And um, it was like a, a finishing school kind of like week for the advanced trainees and international trainees. So I did that, wrestled the show at the world famous WXW Academy against the guy who was doing like a, a Will Ospreay kind of thing, like lots of running and and uh, Tim and Walter put me in there because I was meant to slow him down because that's not traditionally what people that would see me would say was my style. Mm. So I'm um, wrestling this match and I'm feeding around and waiting. And it turns out this, this young German guy uh, was a smoker. So he had gassed himself really early on and he stopped. <laughs> So I'm like feeding around, feeding my back to him. And I'm like looking and he, he's just not there. He's just not coming for these spots. So in the end, I've got to find a way around. It, I fix it. And um, Tim and Walter knew what I was doing. But um, Christian, the booker, um, he didn't like it. He wasn't a fan of it. So I went home from Germany feeling really like down about my time there. Mm. And uh, we landed back in Manchester. And I got an email uh, from Red, who said, oh, I've seen that you've been in Germany. Um, I want to bring you to Portugal in a month. So suddenly I was like, whoa, this is the best thing ever. You know, screw yeah, Germany. Really cool. <laughs> so did you manage to do any sparring with Walter? Uh, yeah, no. Um, Walter uh, trained in a similar way to what I'd been trained previously. It's lots of reps, lots of big hits, and it's getting things going. And... Um, just really, really nice bloke. Him, him and Tim just seem to be the goofiest, but also most intimidatingest guys ever. Because um, Germany, I ended up meeting up with two other English guys, um, Kev Lloyd, formerly known as Sexy Kev, and Jimmy Jones. Um, and we stayed in a hotel just outside of where the training centre was. So we would walk every day to the training centre. We have briefly lost him. I'm sure he'll be back. 
Hello. Oh, there we, there we go. He's back. Oh, sorry. That's um, all right. Yeah. So, yeah, Walter and Tim really good for We had to walk every day to the training centre. There's me, Kevin Lloyd, formerly Sexy Kev, and uh, Jimmy Jones, who did like a pirate thing. So we're walking half an hour every morning to get to this training centre. And the first day we walk in on the mats and there's just Tim doing like full, like aggressive, like <laughs> Tim Thatcher face. <laughs> and it, it turned out, you know, Tim had already done the Gotch Bible, you know, the cards. Yes. Out. Yeah, Tim, Tim had already done that twice by the time we'd got there and was going to do it again with us, like him leading it as a thing. And then it turned out they're just both really, really goofy. They're both really into like 80s metal, like 80s rock. So we're doing the cars to like uh, like um, Slayer and things like that, like Megadeth. <laughs> but it was just uh, like a really, really good week. I was really hoping you were going to say David Hasselhoff because they do love a bit of David Hasselhoff in Germany. So when you mentioned rock, I was like... Oh, well, this is the best thing. You know um, David Hasselhoff's Looking for Freedom? Mm. Yes. That was Tim's music in Germany. Love it. I I did the cards once when I was about 18. My mate and I, um, we used to play a lot of rugby. And I yeah. read about the cards in Mick Foley's novel that he did. Um, he mentions it in uh, Titus, t- Titan, oh, what's the name of his novel? Titan Brown. And um, he talks about that because a lot of it's based around catch wrestling. Um, and he talks about doing the cards. So we decided we'd give it a try. And we were both pretty fit and healthy in those days. <laughs> Get it. Forget it. We managed to bow three quarters of the deck. <laughs> oh well, not not to go on a card tangent because I, I love the cards. Um, I was doing a seminar with Johnny Saint once, and some people couldn't mm-hmm. keep up with the cards. So again, Johnny in his seventies goes, "All right, come on then, lads," and just dives in. I was doing all the squats <laughs> and the press ups, and like there's people like three times, you know, you know, younger than him, just looking at him, just like. <laughs> Because <laughs> obviously Johnny is still in amazing shape and can do that. Um, but yeah, the cards are great. But back to the original thing of Portugal. So got the email to go to the spoke to Red. We agreed money and stuff. So I went to Portugal. And um it was actually coinciding with a Tajiri seminar. So I'd paid to do the Tajiri seminar in Portugal, which is like one of four dates Tajiri was going to be in Europe which was like a big thing for me because Tajiri mm. was like my favourite as a kid because what's a better finishing than just kicking somebody square in the face? So it's me and a guy called Adam. And we decided, right, we're going to go. We're going to go. It's going to be really cool. And we tell our friend Rich and Rich goes, oh, I might do, I'll, I'll think about it. I'm not sure. So Rich is just like, like you know, non-committal. Me and Adam buy the tickets, meet at the airport, we're going. Now, we land at Lisbon at like one in the afternoon and we don't have to be uh, with Red for the training till like five. And the airport in Lisbon is right in the city centre. So, you know what I mean? It's only like an hour's walk to everything. So we go, well, let's not tell Red, let's just walk. When are we going to be in Lisbon again? Just two men in our mid-twenties. Let's just walk around Lisbon. Let's just go to the city centre. And we start to walk out the airport. And literally 20 minutes after we started walking, we get a text from Rich going, guys, I've just landed. 
and we had no idea Rich was coming other than his non-committal. Uh, I might do. He hadn't spoke to us <laughs> at all. But Rich being the mature one, he messages Red and Red goes, oh yeah, I'm literally in the airport. So Rich goes with Red. I mean, Adam will go, right, we're still going to walk. We're still going to meet you later. And on we go. As we're walking, we're still texting Rich because we're like, what the hell are you doing? You hadn't said you were going to come. And eventually he stops messaging back. So we're like, oh shit. We're in a foreign country. We know no one. We've done something stupid. And our friend who has done the sensible thing has now fell off the face of the earth. <laughs> so we end up um, by the bus station. And uh, I don't know if you know, but all drugs, all recreational drugs in Portugal are legal. It's just uh, selling them that aren't. So I used to look a bit weird because I'm six foot and like 15 stone and wrestlery. My friend Adam um, does Brazilian jiu-jitsu for years, so he looks really weird and weirdy, but he's got like this weird long, like Chuck Cyrus blonde kind of hair. He, he's, like, he's got weird proportions, but it's great for BJJ. Um, we're waiting and we decide, well, we're getting something for Red and go, Red, Red, we're buying this McDonald's. And Red goes, okay, I'll see you in two hours. I'll sort it. So we're waiting outside this McDonald's and just the amount of people just trying to sell us weed and coke. I was like, no, no, we're, we're just here for the play fighting. And um, eventually Red sends somebody to come and get us. He was another British guy who's was at the time going out with a Portuguese girl. So he was living over there. And this guy, Billy, says, right, I've got room for two people, but your friend Rich is staying somewhere else. So we're like, ooh, even more red flags because we haven't spoke to Rich at all. But as is wrestling and the trustworthy nature of two daft idiots abroad, we go, okay, Billy, let's go to your house. So we go there. And it is literally um, the smallest flat you've ever seen. It's like six foot wide by 10 foot long with three rooms coming off it. And there's me, who's a big boy, Adams, who's a biggish boy, and Billy, again, wrestler in proportions, all in the plus Billy's girlfriend, who also is a wrestler. So there's four of us in this tin. And eventually we go to the training centre, we look around, meeting lots of new people, meeting Tajiri, which, um, you know, big fan girly moment for me and we're still not saying rich rich is nowhere to be sound we just keep getting told that you know he's fine he's with this guy don't worry about it we start the training and like 20 minutes later rich walks in looking like he's having the best holiday ever he's got like a lisbon like sun hat on he's got like jarg touristy glasses he's got like tie-dye on that he doesn't usually wear and it <laughs> turns out the person that rich was living with nelson who is wrestles as the super kid nelson Pereira. Um, I lives in like a gated community just outside of the city so it's like quite well to do and like Rich had his own room in the house and like Nelson's mum was looking after him and like feeding him and they've been to all the touristy places you know properly in a car which was you know mind blowing and it's like we thought you were dead we thought you know they'd been murdered by like the Portuguese ripper you know and buried you know wherever <laughs> and he's like oh no no everything's fine <laughs> And then we're just, you know, doing roles. In so what was, the, what was the jury like? Because he was um, in my favourite ever ECW match, a three-way with him, Little Guido and Super Crazy. What was he actually like to wrestle against? How hard oh, are those kicks? 
well, I can't dispute and say that they're not hard, but <laughs> the best part of it is, as you know, Tajiri doesn't speak English, but the person who happens to be Tajiri does, but to protect his gimmick, Tajiri is whispering in pidgin English to the Portuguese coach, who's then pidgin translating it back into real English to mm. us. So we're kind of listening to what Tajiri's saying to get a proper understanding of it, whilst then getting a garbled version because um, the poor Portuguese guy, it's, it's, it's not his first language. So it's kind of like the weirdest form of like wrestling Chinese whispers you've ever seen. All while Red's trainees think that Adam is Chuck Cyrus because he has the weird long blonde uh, like her and the weird proportions. While Adam's going, no, my name's just Adam. <laughs> Uh, I love Portugal. Uh, I used to holiday regularly in the Algarve. And uh, yeah, I can attest to the week because last time I was there with my partner, we went to a Romanian market and we were there for about an hour. And I, I must say at least 10 people offered to sell me where you while I was there. And it's... <laughs> but, yeah, uh... um, if, if you look at the, the mohawk, the beard and the tattoos, I, I, I generally get that when I walk down the street, which is seriously <laughs> worrying, bearing in mind that I'm a local councillor. <laughs> oh, well, you know, but, that's uh, the way it goes sometimes, councillor. WXW uh, is one of my favourite current promotions. Uh, are, are, are you keeping up to date with it at the moment? I'm keeping up with a little bit. A lot of the guys that I trained with are now big you know, biggish names on their shows like um, the Pretty Bastards, like Maggots and Ahura. I trained with them; they were cool guys. Um, the Canadian Hercules, Tyler Colton, he was over at that time, and he did a big thing with um, I think it's Ulf Ulf Herman. He did a big thing there. Um, Norman Harris was there when I was there; that was cool. Yeah. He's one of the top guys at the moment. Uh, you mentioned a smoker. I'm assuming it's not the uh, King of Smoke style Bobby Guns. Oh, no, 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 not Bobby Guns, no. <laughs> uh, one of the other things that I noticed you were part of was the TNA British Boot Camp. Oh, okay, yes, yes. That was, that was, uh, was this season one or season two? It was season two. It was the Manchester taping. So in my audition, there was... Uh, Mandrews, um, Cyanide, um, people like Liguero, people like that. So all the top northern names and me <laughs> at the time because I was not as well known. But yeah, um, that, that was that was a weird day because um, the, the the way it was, it was part shoot, part work. So they did ask us all to send in like a CV with clips and promos and stuff. And they were like, okay, cool, we'll pick these names. I'll invite you down to this thing. And then they gave us like a press pack, which I still give out to people that ask for it to this day because it's got like the ideal times to use social media, how to engage with people in a positive way. And um, my audition was oh, in fantastic. the afternoon. Oh, no, it, it, it was really good. Um, it's a really good tool to still have. But um, yeah, my audition was in the afternoon. I get there, it was a the old Future Shock gym, Manx gym. And um, like I said earlier, I, I know Kevin Lloyd, Sexy Kev. I've known Kev a long time. So me and Kev have a really good relationship. And Kev um, said to me, because his audition was in the day, 
to um, just get on telly. I can't tell anything else, just get on telly. I was like, oh, okay. Um, so in my head, I kind of knew, right, this is the work aspect now of this thing. But still, you're intimidated and you're excited. And I was still really new with people like Rampage, who was in the corner, you know, Cyanide in the corner, all, all these, like, the, the names of, like, the northern UKC. Mm. And um, I go out there and there's Joe, Al, and Gail Kim. Now, we weren't given any prep time to know, like, the guy with the camera will be the... So, like, they're trying to ask questions without being mic'd up, so you can't really hear. Mm. And I'm trying to just, like, look over this camera, which was made awful telly. But um, I mentioned my grandfather. He was one of the reasons that I, liked watched wrestling as a kid and got into it. And they must have smelt blood to, like, bang. So, reality TV... We need the sob story. So they pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And in the end, I just got really, really upset. Um, really emotional. Because um, the way it had worked, me and my partner at the time, we were on holiday. And um, it was the anniversary of my granddad's passing, like a year before. And that was when I got the email saying I was going to be used for the audition for TV. So it was kind of like, wow, this weird um, consequence, this, this weird serendipity has happened and it must be, you know, a message from the God that I don't believe in. Oh. Um, so they, they just smelt blood and like ripped on that bang. So I got really upset. And then afterwards, um, Spud, who was there as well, uh, took me to one side and had some really nice positive feedback to me outside of, you know, the work talking thing. Because I yeah. thought, right, I'm not a name, but I know that I can wrestle in a way that would be appreciated. But... I never got a chance to show that because they'd got their blood from me just from that interview side of things. And truth be told, I've still never watched it back. <laughs> Which was fun. I watched it. I have very, very good authority that Samoa Joe was actually really, really, really hung over for that. I, I can believe that. Having met him afterwards... Uh, yeah, he did look a little little rough, bless him. He looked shorter than I thought he would be. I think the story goes... I've found that with so many wrestlers. <laughs> oh, we're all massive liars. We are all massive, massive liars, but Joe was short. Like, I, I, I'm six foot on a good day when I do that, and jo Joe was smaller than me. God love him. Yeah, so I think he had literally wrestled Rampage for Progress Wrestling the night before, and mm. then they got absolutely blackguard because it progress wrestling and that's kind of what he yeah. did and then of course he did go to that so uh not everyone told me that story but oh somebody i used to work with who was part of the uh the show as well but i don't want to mention his name <laughs> so, so i've just sorry to interrupt Dan. What no, I, found I was the second to last audition of that day and the last one was mandrews so People who were going through were already going through, mm. so it's kind of like, hmm, let's see, let's see how we go. Yeah, because I uh, didn't. Uh, it's Mark so, Andrews who went on to win that, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, Mark Andrews being Welsh, you wrestling a lot in Wales. I've just been having a look on um, one of the fan sites. And I noticed on that site, and you can tell me that it's wrong, that your entrance music, at least at one point, was Manic Street Preachers. Yes, Is that no, it's correct? Still it still is, yes. 
really good yeah. song. Yeah. One of my favourite bands, one of my favourite songs by them. Um, why did you choose it? Um, so, I was, I've always been like a big um, Manix fan. Before Underworld Play Fighting, I was in a band, I played guitar. And like Manix were just like a cool band that were just alternative enough to get your street cred, but also just had nice songs. Um, so I was always like a big fan of that. And at my home promotion, we were trying to build a uh, faction around me. So we did the diplomatic thing of, oh, how about all these songs? And because it was only me that had heard of it and everybody else, it was so left field to them. They were like, oh yeah, that could work. So after like four hours, it was like, yes, here's this song that I've purposely picked because this is the song. But yes, we'll let you think that it's democratic and we've all talked about it. And it's um, it's just suck and it's just so cool. Like I, I sing it to the ring sometimes, which is really nice. But then there's this one little kid who him and his dad follow me around sometimes in the north and uh, they sing it back and it's really awkward when it gets to the chorus. It's like, oh, you're not even 10 yet. You don't want to die. <laughs> Especially not in the summertime. Oh, no, I mean, come on, mate. Everything's opening up now, swimming, you know, <laughs> hugging people. Wrestling. Uh, yeah. So, of course, so that uh, stable, was that the Fox Pack? Uh, yes, that was the aforementioned and creatively named Fox Pack. Yes. With myself, Lance Rivera, the Playboy Prince, Jack Sinclair, at the time, there was also Naver, and we were managed by, oh, Kay Lynch, and we were managed by Stacey Rose, who I think, yeah, Stacey still works with Jack and Lance at Pro Wrestling for You and around. Uh, they're now the front line. Yes. No relation to the pet suppository or <laughs> lost emotion. And they're very, they're very particular with capital letters, the front line, but that's that's them, they're good guys. Yeah, uh, they're going to be part of Kingdom of Wrestling, uh, which you're going to be part of as well, is that correct? Yes, I am, yes, I'm scheduled to appear. Excellent. Uh, we'll get uh, yes. wrestling's back, and we have at least one confirmed match on uh, Monday the 21st of June for Superstar Pro Wrestling at Slam Jam. And you're Thank facing you, off against Ethan Kelly. Yep, Slam Jam, Superstar Pro Wrestling in Kirby. Um, very much a contrasting styles because Ethan is very young and very fast. And in wrestling terms, I'm very old and not very fast. But styles make fights. I've, I've wrestled Ethan before in a freeway for This Is Wrestling, which um, was actually a live person-only dark match even though we were the match that got in the newspaper because Ethan was from Ormskirk. So it was kind of really the main event because that's the one that got the press, but let's not split hers over it. Uh, sorry, Drill, you're a nice guy. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited. I think it's a it's a nice way to get back into it because I am I like to tell stories. I'm very much a story-focused person. So if it benefits the story and if it's natural to the story, then we will do it. And it's just me and Ethan and the way that it's usually pitched and how it will be, I think will be a nice, it'd be a nice re-entry for people. Of course, Superstar Pro Wrestling social media team gave him a video, but you had to make your own. Uh, well, I don't want to put the bias out there, but 
as I'm sure Dan will know, the right-wing media picks a story and they don't bother with us lefties. They just leave you to it. They just go, oh, no, no, no. No, he likes the IRA in Palestine. No, he doesn't exist. He's a bad man. We don't care that he helps, you know, the food banks, rah, rah, rah. Excellent. Uh, I've got right. a question. Go, go for it. Okay. I want to do one of our regular questions that we do. For the Americans, they have the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Because we're in England, or Wales, but mainly England, we have the Mount Rushton of wrestling. <laughs> so, who would be on your British Mount Rushton of wrestling? British Mount Rushton? Of just British wrestlers, yes? Just British yep. wrestlers, yeah. Okay. Um, Roll Ball Rocco. Jim Brakes. Um, I want to say Regal, but I think Regal's kind of like an anglicised American now, so I don't really want to include him just because of his... It's more of like WCW and stuff, so I want to go with Tony Sinclair. Tony Sinclair's a great guy. And um, it's got to be Billy Robinson. He's, he's the man. He's the greatest exports of British wrestling's ever had. You know, first guy to win a world title over there. Ooh, that means a, a press conference somebody recently held about that was lying because obviously he's claiming to be the first Brit to win the first major title in Japan. Oh, yeah, no, that, that's why Billy Robinson, Billy Robinson's a guy. <laughs> I mean, while we're here, we're not going to talk about him. But uh, one of the things that he wants to introduce, apparently, is the IWGP British heavyweight title for New Japan. What do you think of this? Um, it, it depends how they want to do it. I, I know they have ties to Rev Pro, and I know Rev Pro have their own world mm -hmm. title that gets defended over there and stuff. If they made it in an NWA style and had like endorsed promotions and this, you know, IWGP British champion travel around them, that might be interesting. Um, but it's nothing but a positive if it's bringing more eyes to British wrestling and British wrestlers on an international stage because for a long time that, you know, that hasn't happened. Mm. Because up until my generation of this generation of people, you had people like Nigel McGuinness and Doug Williams and that was where British wrestling started and ended for a lot of international people. They didn't know about Alex Shane and FWA and The Ascension and things like that. That was just like, you know, talking in a completely different language, mm. which a lot of people would say Alex Shane did a lot of the time. Not that I met the gentleman, <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> but, um, you know what I mean? We Anything that gets eyes on people is a good thing. We interviewed Joel Redmond recently, um, who was chatting about um, the FWA training um, and everything like that. Training is obviously a big thing, and you've been trained in catch wrestling, and you've helped train people as well. Who do you think we should be looking out for in the current crop of newcomers on the UK scene? Um, see, this is a hard one, because, like I said earlier, a lot of the people that I train with are still feeling the effects of speaking out and have took time away and didn't want to be involved with wrestling at the moment. So about 10 really brilliant names have just been wiped off my list, 
which is upsetting for me because I had a hand in them. Um, but I think Lance Rivera, Jackson Close, Stacey that I've mentioned, they're a really good act. They're a really good free piece. Um, just great the way they work as a team and um, the action that they do in the ring is good. Um, in terms of individual people, I think Harley Hudson has a massive upside. She's a brilliant young lady. She's um, the ultimate, like, you want to get behind her. She's like five foot two and she's working on actually putting weight on. That's like a bit a big thing for her because she's only nine stone. And I know that she puts a lot of effort into that. She trains really hard and she's got this cool, like, pin up, like, satin in dolls kind of thing about her. You know, a lot of time for Harley. Harley's a great girl. Um, and then mm. Alexis Falcon, although it didn't really count with Alexis because she's, you know, on progress and kicking all kinds of butt and has been for a long time, though. So that's a so, name that's, that really should just get wiped off. That's a breakout um, star for this year. So if we change the focus and we'll go to who do you think are the breakout stars like an Alexa Falcon? See, it, it's hard because everything's in flux. Because mm. other than mm. like a select group of people, the scene has been paused. So a lot of us have had 12 months of no wrestling. And 12 months of no anything can really affect people. So I think you'll know straight away within that first month of shows, those two months of shows, which people are ready to break out and ready to kick a load of button, be all over the show. Mm. Awesome. All right. So what we'll do then is because uh, we mentioned Superstar and Slam Jam, we've got obviously the rest of the match cards. So we'll get you to just maybe say a little bit about each of these guys and uh, and then we'll tell the guys where they can get their tickets from. So first up is the main event is JJ Webb, Dean Allmark and Philip Michaels in a triple threat match. What do you think that match is going to be like? Uh, I think it'll be... Uh, like a car crash. There'll be so much action that you can't look away to use the gregarious cliche. Um, again, you've got Dino who's been around for, you know, since the last supper, waiting tables when it comes to wrestling. JJ, got that really bad brash attitude, but the skills to back it up. And film a product from Crescent City Wrestling, which is another promotion that I'm appearing at. Uh, again, People say that Phil is like a throwback to like that technician kind of style. But if I was to pick one, I'm going to have to go with JJ just because he's got that, that brash attitude. You know, he would spit in someone's eye and kick them when they're down. And in a freeway when there's no disqualifications, that's the kind of attitude and edge you need to come out on top. So I'm mm. going to go with JJ. Uh, bringing it back to Joe Redmond, he did mentioned to us that Dean Allmark is uh, one of the most underrated veterans in the scene. Would you agree with that one? It, it's hard to disagree with that. Dean, uh, there is nothing that Dean hasn't done and hasn't done well. There's a reason that he is where he is and everyone looks up to him and he continues to be consistently one of the best at what that style and what he does. And that is hard to do. Consistency is hard. So mm -hmm. I have nothing but praise for Dino. Okay, so we got James Reed and Sheik El Sham. Mm. See, this is hard, but this is too big, big hitters. James Reed has a MMA background. Hello, I'm with you. I... <laughs> the internet is terrible. Yeah, I'm having Sorry. issues. 
Oh, Dan is. That's okay. I'm I'm okay. I think. <laughs> Just, oh, uh, we all think we're okay. It's only when <laughs> you go below that surface that it niggles away. Yes. But, um, yeah, it's okay uh, not to be okay. Yes. And that's okay too. Uh, so, JJ, James Reed, and Sheik. Um, James has an MMA background, really aggressive. Friends with Dave Faulkner, who I'm a captain, but Dave Faulkner's Dr. Chinlock, UFC fighter. But the Sheik has the money. Mm, it's hard. I'm, and a great body. I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> he looks fantastic. Yeah, 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 we'll see what lockdown does. You never know. <laughs> Why not? Uh, uh, you got, you got to so we go got with James. James is a local boy. James will edge it, maybe. There we go. Aurora Tevez and Lucy Sky. Um, see, I don't know a lot of Aurora Tevez. I know this is like her coming over to the UK. She was from abroad, I believe. But I do know Lucy Sky. Lucy Sky is a um, Wiggins' own, e-bag um, I'll batter you, is uh, my best Lucy Sky impression. I've known her for a long time. Um, so just because just, just my heart aches for people that I know, Lucy Sky, you are master of Ecky Thump. Uh, you mentioned her earlier, so it's Alfie Brooks and Harley Hudson versus Jordan Black and Hannah Taylor. Hmm. Yeah. I want to continue to heap praise on Harley Hudson because I could do that all day because she's that talented. But when you think of the size differential between Alfie and Harley and Danny Black and Hannah, um, you're going to have to go with Hannah, especially because she had a breakout as well because she had a WWE tryout not long ago. So. Uh, the Billington Bulldogs. Old Mark and Thomas versus Andy Knox and Connor Klein. Ah, see. Now, you'd think that we'd go with the Billington Bulldogs just because of the pedigree and they actually are, you know, they're a natural tag team. However, having two Dynamites did not help the British Bulldogs. You needed a Dynamite and a Davy. Now, in Andy Knox and Connor Klein, you've got a Dynamite and a Davy. So I'm going to have to go with Andy and Connor, formerly the Paradox who don't like being called the paradox, so I'm going to call them the paradox. <laughs> there we go. And most recently announced, uh, Brian Aidson and Isaac North. Now, again, someone I know, Brian, really strong fighting spirit. He's a, a black belt in Taekwondo. Um, Isaac North, he's just big and hurts people. It's just unorganised chaos. So it's whether the discipline of a warrior can overcome the destruction of a destroyer, really. So that's, I think that's the one that's most up in the air. I, I want to say Brian, because, you know, he's my friend and I know him, but can you really have a hard man called Brian <laughs> when his second name isn't Danielson? I, I, I don't know. There I don't you know. Go. Uh, right, so uh, tickets will be available for that show, and that's at ticket, uh, Ringside World. .co.uk and it does look so to be a great show and uh, I'm sure it will be. Uh, you mentioned PCW that uh, you're going to be a part of. We're actually Sounds going good. to be at their Academy show on the uh, 23rd of June. Uh, myself and Daniel will be there. 
for Will Cruz and Joey Hayes? Oof. No, this is a big one because this is to decide the PCW titles. Now, obviously, oh, yes. Joey, that man, almost similar to Dino, someone that is so lauded but yet also so underappreciated. And Will Cruz, who is almost stepped into that mantle left by Dave Mastiff, especially in PCW. Mm. Um, certainly one to watch. It'll be a fun match. That'll be good, that one. Yes. Uh, Stephen Flood had said the exact same thing about Will Cruz, actually, when we had him on the show uh, a few weeks back. Uh, Sheik again against uh, Burchill. Ah, the, the man from the barracks. Another debutant. Um, gonna go with the sheet for this one, just because I feel bad for slagging him off before. Um, <laughs> Terrible. He's gonna get you. Uh, and, and Danny Hope uh, versus Rosie Rascal. Ah, now I've wrestled Danny a few times, and they've hurt every time. Um, and I've met. Mr. Rascal, and I appreciate I appreciate the fact that he's a judoka and someone that's disciplined and trained. So, if it's a fight, I'd go with Rossi Rascal. But if Danny can turn it into an out-and-out pro wrestling match with that entertainment, that pinaz, that charisma, then it could be Danny. It, there's a lot of variables, lots of ins and outs. It's like. Um, the rug in the Big Lebowski, it just ties everything together. There's a lot going on. Mm. Uh, now, that, that's got to be one of the best um, uses of something to describe a wrestling thing, uh, the Big Lebowski rug. I'm loving it. Hey, the dude abides, man. The dude abides. The dude abides. Now, of course, Danny Hope and Joey Hayes do regularly tag team as the models who uh, Martin Kirby called the most underrated tag team in the UK. Uh, unfortunately, Martin Kirby's retired now. Fantastic performer. Used to love watching Kirby. One retiree who coming back this year, and I know you're uh, really happy about this, it is Doug Williams. Oh, yes, yes, Mr. Williams, the man. Uh, uh, are you hoping that you can possibly get into the ring with him? Have you been in the ring with him before? I, I've been six foot away from the ring that he has been in as a paid fan. Um, all the while being green with envy. Um, but who knows? To me, it feels like a natural thing that someone might want to decide to book it because I like to carry a lot of what Doug represented and I hope might still represent. Who knows? You know, he's old and decrepit and has bad knees and all that jazz. And obviously Doug has been an ambassador, not just for British wrestling, just but for British interests abroad in terms of entertainment, you know, Doug beat AJ Styles for the global title. Yeah. No. And not everybody beats AJ Styles, let alone for what was once Booker T's global title. <laughs> no, that um, is very true. Never uh, forget. him as part of the British invasion with the current NWA champion, uh, older Aldis. And whatever happened to their rather large Welsh associates. Oh, Royal train. Yeah, trained by the Dudleys when he was over there. What, what, what's he up to now? That's a good the question. Last, the last I saw, um, he was still in Florida for a little bit. 
because uh, I, I have I have friends who are friends with people that are at OVW, and I know Mr. Terry spent some time there. I'm not sure if he's still there now. So America somewhere, be it Florida or Louisville or, you know, Glamorgan. Now that's <laughs> that, that well-known sunshine state of Glamorgan. Oh, yes, yes. The Welsh Riviera. So are you... Are you going to be doing any of the holiday camps this year? Um, who knows? I'd like to. They're always super fun. Um, I often get asked to do the New Year's Day show for WAW. Um, that's always a fun show. Um, but who knows? My calendar is open. I am ready for discussion. So please, please discuss. I have nothing to do. <laughs> I've um, been to a lot of the WAW holiday camp shows. Um, my father lives in Great Yarmouth, and we go down and visit all the time. So we get to enjoy a lot of UK hooligan shows. Well, the first show I did for them, um, it was through an association with Mr. Williams, who was the evil wrestling teacher. I don't know if you're versed with Mr. Williams. And um, they did a show on behalf of um, someone in Leeds, notoriously bad promoter whose name fails me. And the way it was working, he had booked WAW to book his show. And because me and Mr. Williams were local-ish, we came in to fill the gap. So I was booked to wrestle Mr. Williams. And the main event... um, had Bushwhacker Luke, which is like really cool. And a special link to me because Bushwhacker Luke got in the Federation because of the British Bulldogs and Snake Pit and that kind of association. So I'm, I made up to meet Bushwhacker Luke. So we're going to this show and we meet the person who's booked WAW to book this show. And he says to me, no word of a lie. Now, I've never seen you wrestle before, Matt, but I'm told you're quite technical. So I want you to be Bret Hart. Right. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take the Hart comparison. I mean, it's not Owen, who's the real technical master, but, you know, Bret's mm. good enough for now. But, um... So I, I do the match, and the most Bret Hart thing I could do was just wrestle as myself and then just do his five moves of doom to end the match. <laughs> uh, the rushing leg sweep. The uh, elbow drop from the middle rope. Yeah, atomic drop, flying line, um, a bit of this, and then um, sharpshooter, one, two, three. There you go. But it was cool because Bushwhacker Luke said, I did well there, Foxy, and he then showed me pictures of his grandkids. Awesome. Do you remember any of his sheep herder phase? I don't remember it, but I've, I've watched it back. And they were not, they were not merry men. <laughs> they were I saw not a the video. No, I saw a video of one of their matches in Puerto Rico. And Jesus, the fans hated them. Like, really, really hated them. Oh, well, it's because of the sheep herders that we have tornado tags, because originally it was Australian tag rules. Ah, there you go. That's something I yeah. did not know. I love tag team wrestling. Huge fan of it. Uh, thinking of tag team wrestling, you called out the OPW 
or Odyssey Pro Wrestling Tag Division in Morecambe because you were the last recognized Morecambe Tag Team Champions uh, with Sheriff Steel Justice. Well, it was Sheriff, Sheriff Steel Justice's close friend, um, Mark Meltzer, who um, only knew wrestling by paying $9.99 for the WWE Network and being a different WWE wrestler every show. And um, yes, me and Mark were the last ever Markham Tag Team Champions. We are still undefeated. Again, let's say that again, undefeated Tag Team Champions, who in fact beat Craig Collins, uh, Rip Marcus, uh, King Grayson, Jinx, and the Rally Boys all in one night to become the Markham Tag Team Champions. All while dressed as the Legion of Doom. So if anybody has a right to these tag titles, it's me and Mark Melzer, or his close friend, Sheriff Steele, who may or may not be Mark Melzer. I've got a question for you then. The NWA made the um, wrestlers put down $25,000 when they um, took their title belt. What is the Morecambe um, equivalent? What have you got to put down to own the Morecambe tag team belts? Well, it's still really Morecambe to the point where before COVID happens, I was invited as tag team champion to a four-year-old birthday. So a plate of chips and a hot dog, which was my fee for that evening. But um, do you know why they used to do that with the, um, the fee? Going all the way back to Thais and before that. Because um, the Northern Golden Triangle wanted um, Buddy Rogers to be the world champion. But they knew they couldn't shoot on Fez, so they did a screw job which resulted in the WWWF and NWA. Now, the NWA had to keep Fez as champion because Fez was a shooter. So if local guys tried to push their luck to take off Fez, he'd do this thing where he'd feed them his head and as wrestlers are idiots, they would grab Luthez's head and Luthez that has been practicing back bridges since the age of three would do a Greco-Roman suplex or a belly-to-back suplex and knock them out. And if they didn't knock them out the first time, he'd just repeat and repeat and repeat until they did. So the idea was that Fez is putting his money down to make sure that no one takes it until he is told. And that's actually why Pat O'Connor beat Fez, because Fez picked up Buddy Rogers before the split. And um, Luthez's mentor was Ed Strangler-Lewis. Yeah. Now, the entire of this car ride, Buddy Rogers has slagged off Ed Stanger lewis So, Lou, to anyone that mess, uh, would try to book him to lose to Buddy Rogers, said, oh, no, he's never beaten me. I'll draw with him, but he's never beaten me. So, that is why Buddy Rogers never officially beat Luthez. And it's also why Patrick O'Connor became the first Australian world champion, because that was someone that Fez thought was okay to lose to. And O'Connor is actually the guy that invented the O'Connor yeah, roll. There we go. Beautiful yeah, back bit of history. Back when surprise roll-ups were just an official wrestling move that would hold an opponent down for free and not just a surprise roll-up. Who knew? Who knew? Uh, you've, as you say, you've wrestled Carnival and you've wrestled... Uh, Places like PCW. So, what's the difference between, say, doing a more televised or streaming uh, show to compared to 
the more holiday camp show. Um, it's a bit like the difference between Shakespeare and um, TV. Obviously, in TV, you have to hit a hard cam. There's places you've got to go to be seen, to be shown. Whereas with Shakespeare, you're in the round and the people behind you in the high seats have paid just as much money as the person right in front of you. And everyone's got to get a comparatively similar, enjoyable experience. So that's my intellectualised, up my own arse way of describing the difference. But it's a way that I think is applicable. Uh, no problem. Daniel, any more? Well, being a catch wrestler, you could... Being a catch wrestler, you probably could put somebody's head up their own ass. Um, do you think there is a lack of? Oh, I've gone haven't I? Do you think there's a lack of catch wrestling being used in modern wrestling, or do you think it's currently having a bit of a resurgence? I think, in terms of the sport as a whole, it's becoming more and more to the forefront because that's what people want to see. However, on a micro level. I think people are too quick to fall into old rhythms, old patterns. And the idea is that the audience is that stupid that they'll only respond to 10 five-minute high spots in a row. Clap, clap, clap. Let's all click to the rah, rah, rah. Whereas, like I said before, someone likes to tell stories. If you can bait them in a way and then bore them and then surprise them in a way that makes sense where you as an audience can understand my thought process and can almost anticipate and predict my thought process. That's a, another level of enjoyment than mm. just run, 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 duck, duck, duck without context. Now, that's not to say that there's not a place for that, but you've got to set the seed or have people understand the logic from something earlier to get why you're doing that, to get the full benefit of that. Yeah, I think one certain promotion I think suffers from a lack of wrestling should be a, a variety as well, a variety show of different styles and different types. Yeah. And yeah, I think one promotion certainly probably has one more than the other. <laughs> uh, but uh, I love catch wrestling. I, you know, uh, for me, Zack Sabre Jr. is currently my favourite. He's just an amazing wrestler, uh, technician. And, yeah, he doesn't have to do 50 flips. Not that I mind 50 flips. I, I, can, enjoy, I can enjoy 50 flips. I just like to see a wrist lock every now and then. Again, if, if everyone tells the story differently and as mm. performers, I tell people that... You can't wrestle the way I wrestle. You all have your own story to tell in your own way. But I will say that you've got to make sure that it's logical to a degree and that your actions have weight, have consequences. Now, if you can hit them too, it doesn't matter how you tell your story, be it um, the most high-flying Lucha Libre or the most ground and pound, straight-up UFC guy, or even doing the big ear brother and dropping the leg and the elbow, yeah. Because it, it's all within the, it's a big top world. It's all within it, all the place. It's all valid. It's all wonderful. But you've got to have consequence and you've got to have weight to what you do. Super. Uh, as you say, you're Alpha Booking. So do you want to give your email address and let the guys know where to reach you? Oh, yes. You can email me um, using book 
foxymattfox at outlook.com. You can find me on Facebook slash book foxymattfox. You can find me on Twitter slash foxymattfox. I'm on Instagram, which is instagram.com slash foxymattfoxstagram. And you can find me on Big Cartel, which is some variation of Foxy Matt Fox. Either way, I'm Foxy somewhere. Yeah, here we go. Uh, and of course, you can follow us at the Tea and Tights podcast at Tea and Tights Pod on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, myself, it's GB Ataku82 and Daniel as at Garden City Dan. That's super. We have been free grown men drinking tea talking about grown adults wrestling in tights. Have a great day. Have a great night. And remember, folks, don't feed the trolls. <laughs>